0: The MLB has instituted new pace-of-play rules for the 2018 season. Let's talk about whether you love it, you hate it, or you'd rather just go kick rocks. Play ball! Ladies and gentlemen, introducing the Ball and Mitt Podcast, a willy-nilly talk show about baseball, life, and the occasional e-slapper. Grab your Cracker Jacks, sit back, and relax. It's gonna be a doozy. Here's your host, the beat, Beats himself, Brian Brammer! Hey, baseball fans. I am your host, Brian Brammer, and this is the Ball and Mitt Podcast, Episode 1. The MLB has given the league and its fans another set of rules, as if there weren't enough already. Rules that will supposedly pick up the pace. Perhaps the commissioner thought to himself, huh, I think there needs to be more rules for the players and umpires to ignore. What do you think? But before we get into our topic, I want to introduce you to our first segment. Growing up, my mom always wanted to play trivia. She's awesome at it. However, I'm hot garbage. But if I'm the one rattling off the questions, it's a lot more fun. I love it when I already know the answers. So let's jump right into the batter's box and look at our first segment. Welcome to Knuckleball Trivia. I present to you a riddle or question and you have until the end of the day to figure it out before I reveal the answer on Twitter. Don't forget to follow me at Ball and Mitt. One thing I'd really like to do with this segment is to get you more involved. So perhaps a giveaway every month to the person that answers the most questions. I, I don't know. I don't know what that looks like. But you guys send me your suggestions. We will brainstorm about them and then just roll with it. So, Here is your knuckleball question. Which of the following does not belong and give a reason? A. Sunscreen. B. Sandpaper. C. Bubblegum. D. Chapstick. Or E. Shaving cream. Don't forget, you have until the end of the day to respond. And that is your knuckleball trivia. All right, let's get into our topic for today, which is the pace of play rules being implemented for the 2018 baseball season. Now, before we talk about the key components and break it down that way, I actually wanted to read a couple of quotes that I was able to find on what some players and managers are saying about these new rules. Some are good, some are bad. John Lester, I don't have to say anything more about what we can expect from him. And then some are a little indifferent. So I'm just going to read these off and give you an idea of kind of the, what's the feel in the league right now for what's going on. Okay, so Nolan Arenado says, not too fond of making too many changes in the game. Joe Madden manager for the Cubs, says, I don't want to comment on it too much because I always get in trouble when I comment on pace of the game. Then later on, he says, whatever the number is, referring to mound visits, I'll abide by it. So a little indifferent. I think he was alluding to the fact that he probably doesn't care for it, but he also doesn't want to get in trouble. Smart man. Uh, Bruce Bochy, the Giants manager, says, I think at times the game should be sped up in areas. So I'm all in on this. The shortstop for the Toronto Blue Jays, Troy Tulowitzki, he says, the rules are the rules. You obey them. You adjust. Sometimes it takes a while to adjust to them, but whether you like it or not, it really doesn't matter. So I, I think he's, again, trying to stay out of trouble. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but that was a very vague quote. And then we get into John Lester. Pitcher for the Cubs. I think it's a terrible idea, Lester said at the Cubs camp on Friday. I think it's all terrible. The beautiful thing about our sport is that there is no time. Fans know what they're getting themselves into when they go to a game. If you want to go to a timed event, go to a timed event. Then Royals pitcher Danny Duffy kind of is in the same vein, just not as savage. Says, I just don't get it, man. Duffy says, sitting at his locker as the Royals continue their first week of uh, camp. I don't know what Manfred's obsession with shortening games is, and I just don't understand it. It doesn't seem to be as much of an obsession when it's a national broadcast and the commercials go for two minutes and we're ready on the mound and we've got to wait around. But it's all about the money. It's a bunch of garbage. It angers me. And then we have some others, Uh, Stephen Voigt, the Brewers catcher. I think it's a good idea to limit visits as a way to speed up the game. Too many times we go to the mound with nothing to say. We're just going to break up the monotony to do this or do that. I think it's going to help speed up the game a little bit. So he's mentioning that some mound visits, they just go and maybe tell a joke or talk about what they're going to do after the game. I thought that was interesting. And then the Mets manager, Mickey Calloway, says to gain an edge in any part of the game, you have to be prepared. If we can prepare our catchers and pitchers and their communication better than other teams, maybe we won't get confused like other teams. So we can get an edge because of that rule referring to again the mound visits or some other rules. The mound visits is the big the big piece of this. So there's a flavor of what major league is thinking about the rules this year. Some good, some bad, some indifferent. I do think there's more of those that that side on the air of caution. And they're just kind of waiting to, to play it out. Okay, so as I mentioned, there are four key components to these rule changes. Number one is mound visits. Number two is inning breaks and pitching changes. Number three is the batter's box rule, which there's nothing really changing about that. It's just reemphasizing what was already in effect in 2017. And then there is the video replay review. I think it's just a couple of things to help speed up the challenge rule or to determine if they want to challenge. Okay, so four uh, Roman numerals. And I'd like to go through each one. I'm not going to read everything verbatim. But I do want to touch on key components and then have a discussion and some opinion about it. And then maybe a solution. Um, at the end, that's actually been promoted or mentioned by Buster Olney. Okay, so let's go ahead and start with mound visits. Now, mound visits—I think this rule is the most controversial. It's the one that a lot of managers and players are commenting on, and it's a lot of uh, what journalists are writing about. So let's let's spend a bulk of our time just kind of camping out here for a little bit, okay? So mound visits without a pitching change shall be limited to six per team per nine innings. For any extra innings played, each club shall be entitled to one additional non-pitching change mound visit per inning. And it's interesting that uh, based on numbers from the 2017 season, there was 7.41 mound visits per game. That was the average. So the league's trying to cut that down to about one and a half games. So six. I also wanted to mention that the rule that governs the managers, when they go out a second time to visit the mound, they have to replace that pitcher. They have to bring somebody in. So that wouldn't count as a mound visit, but that rule is still instated that you have to replace the pitcher at that time. So let's talk about the definition of a mound visit. So a manager or coach trip to the mound to meet with the pitcher shall constitute a visit. A player leaving his position to confer with the pitcher, including a pitcher leaving the mound to confer with another player, shall also constitute a mound visit, regardless of where the visit occurs or the length of the visit, except that the following shall not constitute mound visits. And then it goes through four exceptions to the rule. As if baseball needed more exceptions, right? Um, It seems like it's just one gigantic exception. But we're okay with that because the game's great. I am wondering, though, that those extra mound visits you get in extra innings, like, can you pocket those? If the game goes 12 innings and you don't use a mound visit in the 10th and 11th, do you now have three? But you know what? It it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter the amount or the, the number, and I'll get to that in my my summary or my conclusion on what I think, but let's... Let's just go to the exceptions and talk about what they are and how they influence the game. So, uh, number one, discussions between pitchers and position players that occur between batters in the normal course of play do not require either the position players or the pitchers to relocate. So, if you're yelling at your buddy from your position, that's not a mound visit. That makes sense. Number two, visits by position players to the mound to clean spikes in rainy conditions. That makes sense, but there's no way to prove if he actually has mud on his cleats. He could have wiped them off in the grass before he came. So they're going to discuss, so that's the same as a mound visit. So that's just, that doesn't make sense. Uh, but three, visits to the mound due to an injury or potential injury of the pitcher. That makes sense. Safety first, that exception can stay in there forever. And then number four, visits to the mound after the announcement of an offensive substitution. Now, is this more of like a bigger substitution or smaller? Because when there's a pinch runner, he comes out of the dugout and he's on the base before the announcer can even say his name a lot of times. Like what I'm what I'm saying is it happens really quick. And then with the pinch hitter, it's just a different person coming out of the, the dugout. Maybe, maybe they need to change the, the walk-up track from country to rap and that's that's maybe what takes so long. Um no, I'm 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 kidding. But at the same time, I'm being serious, if that makes sense. What what is this offensive substitution? Why why would they allow that to be a exception or an exception that needs to be noted if it if it's something that happens I think in the normal course of the play. If you have someone that goes and talks to a pitcher on the mound while the pinch hitter is coming up that to me is a mound visit because nothing nothing different transpired. But I don't know, maybe there needs to be some more clarification or I, I need to do some more reading on that. All right, so there's also another component to, to this, and that is the cross-up of signs. Now, I was a catcher in college. I played for two small Christian universities. And what that means is that a majority of decent high school programs could have wiped the floor with us. And I actually still play in an over 31 bat league here in North Carolina. I haven't the past two seasons. I've had some shoulder surgeries. I might have to hang the cleats up. But anyway, and I played catcher uh, for that league. And I had a pitcher that would like to communicate and change the signs based upon if there was a runner at, second base, and what inning we are in. So I understand it can be complex. But let's go over these cross up uh, and signs and the exceptions. Okay, so in the event that a team has exhausted its allotment of mound visits in a game or extra inning, and the home plate umpire determines that the catcher and the pitcher did not have a shared understanding of the location or type of pitch that had been signaled by the catcher, otherwise referred to as the cross-up, The home plate umpire may, upon request of the catcher, allow the catcher to make a brief mound visit, but any mound visit resulting from a cross-up prior to a team exhausting its allotted number of visits shall count against the team's total number of allotted mound visits. So if you're smart, make sure that your cross-up occurs after your six mound visits. Now, I know you can't always predict that or plan on that, but that would be helpful if you could. Now, after all these things I've just said about the number of mound visits, the exceptions, the cross-up of signs, the fact that a relief pitcher mound visit does not constitute as a mound visit, it, it seems that the big emphasis is on number. Let's focus on the numerical value of how many times you can pause play and go to the mound and have a discussion. And for me... I don't think this helps the pace of play at all. I I don't. It's part of the game. I, I can understand implementing a rule to speed things up if it benefited the actual game without taking away from what the game actually is. I'm all for changes and making the game better and improving the pace of play but don't do it at the expense of pulling at the fabric of what constitutes this game. It's just, it's it's just not going to be helpful. Okay. So let's, let's go ahead and go into inning breaks and pitching changes. This gets very specific in regards to how everything plays out with the timing. So I'm going to kind of read through what's here so that you can hear kind of how, how ridiculous it sounds. And that's, that's, that's a subjective, you know, that's not even subjective, that's objective. It, it sounds very ridiculous, okay? So here we go, uh, time break. The timer will count down from two minutes and five seconds for breaks in locally televised games, from two minutes and 25 seconds in nationally televised games, and two minutes and 55 seconds for tiebreaker and postseason games. Uh, the breakdown will happen as follows. With 25 seconds left, the umpire will signal to the pitcher to complete his last warm-up pitch. With 20 seconds left, the batter is announced It must leave the on-deck circle. Unless you're Adrian Beltre, you can just bring it with you. The batter walk-up music shall begin at 20 seconds, and the pitcher shall complete his last warm-up pitch. And then with zero seconds left, the pitcher must begin motion to deliver his first pitch. There's no way that's going to happen. And so you're imposing these, these silly timed rules just for the sake of commercials and as as Danny Duffy said earlier there often there was times where commercials were still going on and the players were ready to start they're good to go their pace of play is not affected except through the commercials which is paid ads so don't mess with the money I, that's you know I don't know everything about business or advertising so I don't want to act like that's actually what it is but he he has a good point Danny Duffy has a A good remark that just makes you sit and wonder and think, could we shave off dead time somewhere else other than mound visits? And and I think we can. All right, so I'm going to continue with this. The pitcher may take as many warm-up pitches as he desires, but regardless of how many warm-up pitches he has thrown, he must deliver his final warm-up pitch at least 20 seconds prior to the end of an inning break or pitching change. So the, the previous eight warm-up pitches, it's no longer guaranteed. The umpire shall signal for the last warm-up pitch at 25 seconds unless a special circumstance applies. And those circumstances are just things that are outside of the control of the umpire, the player, or the batter, or anything like that. Things that were unexpected. The batter must leave the on-deck circle and proceed directly to the batter's box when the pitcher throws his final warm-up pitch. The pitcher must begin his motion for the first pitch as soon as the batter steps into the box and is alert to the pitcher. Provided, however, the pitcher cannot begin his motion for the last pitch more than five seconds prior to the end of an inning break or pitching change so that television is ensured to be back from commercial break. Wow. I don't think I breathed during that entire sentence. That was one entire sentence. And the key word, as mentioned earlier, is commercial break. So a lot of our players, they're ready. I mean, have you ever been to a game? I've been to an NFL game. And you have the little commercial guy out on the field. Everybody's ready to go. They're just waiting on him to get off the field. And with baseball, it's the same thing. The players are out there. They've done their pitches. uh, They've thrown the ball in after, you know, they do their infield and outfield warmups to keep their arms loose. And we're waiting to come back from a commercial break. So it kind of seems like that's affecting the pace of play. But but that's not where they're going to shave off the time. It's just not. Now, I've been waiting to get to this last part here of the second section about the timer and the pitching changes. And this emphasizes trying to make the pitching change quicker, trying to speed that up. So it actually, one of the rules actually says that the relief pitcher shall leave the bullpen promptly following an appropriate signal by their manager or coach uh, during the playing of God Bless America or any other extended event the timer will start as soon as that is over, and then the relief pitcher has to has to come out promptly. Now, one thing that happened uh, over the weekend, I believe, which was awesome, is the Arizona Diamondbacks brought back the bullpen cart. A lot of people hate it. I mean, you saw, I don't know who it was on the back, the relief pitcher that was coming in. He looked miserable. But I think it's hilarious. I think it looks goofy. It's silly. But that's baseball. I mean, if you watch our rituals, And the superstitions and the things that we do before we get into the batter's box, before we pitch, like it's a very superstitious sport. And it's silly. And it's awesome. Again, it's what makes baseball, baseball. Just so many oddities and weirdos out there. And I love them all. So why not embrace the bullpen cart? It's pretty much a gator with... either a baseball cap on the top or it's shaped round like a ball. And you know what? Let's incorporate something. Like, the, the biggest reason we're doing these pace of play rules changes, that's a hard thing to say five times fast, let it know once. Pace of play rules is to appeal to the casual fan, to get them more involved and more entertained. Like, minor leagues, they do a great job at this. The major leagues could learn a lot from the minor leagues. Here's what we need to do. I'm a huge Mario Kart fan. I still am. But we need to give every opposing team fan banana peels and red and green turtle shells. And as that bullpen cart leaves the bullpen and heads towards the mound, just have the fans start chucking these things at them. And the bullpen cart has to maneuver around these flying projectiles. And if it can get to the mound without getting hit, the next batter is already down 0-2, and the pitcher has an advantage. Well, that's a way to speed up the game. I would love to see that. We really need to hashtag this Mario Kart idea. Uh, some of you guys think of some ideas, shoot them too many at Twitter, and let's, let's get the ball rolling. Anyway, uh, last part of this timer idea, pitching change thingamajig. Umpires shall direct players and enforce the inning break and pitching change time limits on the field. Players who consistently or flagrantly violate this will be subject to further discipline um the umpires aren't going to enforce this because it's too much effort they have too much on their hands honestly with trying to manage the game and now you're adding something else to them uh, for them to manage it, they're just not going to they're going to pick and choose their priorities and this isn't going to be one of them and, and speaking of discipline i also don't think it's appropriate to reward a pitcher with a strike or the batter with a ball if they don't move at a pace that the umpire feels is necessary. It's just so subjective. And I know we have these rules implanted and instituted, but to to, to keep away the subjectivity to make it more objective. But I just I don't think it's gonna work. I think it's too convoluted. And I think there are other ways to change the pace of play. So let me get through these last two and I'll I'll give you some concluding thoughts. Uh number number three. One of these, the the third component is the batter's box rule. This was pretty much to have the batter stop walking out of the batter's box after every pitch, take a couple swings, tighten his batting gloves, make sure his calf protector, ankle protector, or elbow protector was, was tight enough. It kept him from doing that. So he has to keep at least one foot in the batter's box in between pitches unless there's a foul ball or a substitution. I like this rule. I'm glad it was implemented. And I hope it forever stays. And then number four is the video replay review. There's, there's two things have been kind of tweaked. One was they installed the capability of all club video review rooms to receive direct slow motion camera angles for the 2018 season. I thought this was already being done. Apparently it's not. So I'm, I'm glad it actually is, is being done officially. And the last one is install new phone lines connecting the video review rooms and the dugout and to monitor the communications over those lines to prevent their use for sign stealing, again, that's 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 good. These are these are fine. These don't really need to be mentioned or even made public. But there they are. Now, at the beginning of this podcast, I had mentioned that Buster Olney has a suggestion or a better way of approaching this pace of play thing, and he had mentioned that he thinks these rules. Or the whole idea of pace of play should be put into the hands of the players and not imposed on them from a group of people that weren't involved in the game. Now, a lot of those, Joe Torrey, for example, have have played or are managed, and, and so they've been there on the field. They understand the game-to-game strategy and decisions. But I, I really do agree that some some representatives from each team, pitchers and batters, maybe different positions and Different, you know, starting and relieving pitchers should be involved in, in a type of board where they come together, agree to some pace of play rules, and then encourage their team to abide by these to make them official rules. I don't know because then there's penalties with that and end game penalties outside of tossing somebody or rewarding them a, a balk, which is which is fine because that's an art of a deception for the pitcher. That's an actual rule that influences and that a batter or a pitcher has either earned or forfeited. That's fine. But I I really like this approach. And I really think that we head this way because at least the changes or ways to go about changing the pace is going to be on the terms of the players and not on those that are controlling the checkbooks. And I don't say that negatively. I really don't. Again, I don't want to act like I know everything about this because I don't. But I really do think commercial breaks are a big deal. That's not going to change. So I'm not even going to entertain that thought. But one suggestion could be when there is a pitching change, the manager does not have to go out to the mound to signal it. He can call it. The reliever gets on the bullpen cart, implementing that, drives onto the mound, and that pitcher that's getting replaced can either stay there and have a conversation with him or walk off the mound as soon as the manager signals great discussion, great show. I love baseball. You love baseball. And we're passionate about the things that we love. And with that passion comes some criticism. We get defensive when something that we care about gets threatened, and that's okay. But there is a fine line between criticism and just straight up complaining. I don't want this show to be all about the latter. I'm not that guy. Well, that's my opinion, but I don't think I'm that guy. I'm all for making this sport the best it can be. If there are problems, let's fix them. But let's fix them the right way. Any changes that get remotely close to tearing at the seams that make this game what it is shouldn't be entertained. And I feel that these new rules do that. So where does that leave us? Well, let's let's keep brainstorming. There's nothing wrong with experimenting. Let's use the miners as our laboratory. In fact, we're doing that now with putting the runner at second base to begin extra innings. I applaud the MLB for looking for viable solutions. But again, I just don't think these pace of play rules are that solution. I appreciate you guys for listening in. I want this show to induce excitement and be something that makes you feel good about life. Because you know what? Life is hard. It has its struggles it strikes you out. Life can be a beanball. But I promise you, it won't always be like this. So I'm leaning on you to make the Ball and mitt community one that's healthy and striving. I'm excited, and I hope you are too. So this leads us to our closing segment to wrap up the show. This is called Three Strikes. It's the segment in which I give you life lessons that may or may not be helpful. Strike one. If you don't succeed in meeting your own expectations, don't punch yourself in the face, especially if it's televised. Rest in peace, Ken Giles Jaw. Strike two. If you don't want to trip up doing routine activities or errands, make sure you don't wear ugly shoes. Kyle Schwarber, no easy way to say this, But your cleats are hideous. And strike three, absolutely, under no circumstance, for any reason whatsoever, put pineapple on your pizza. That's strike three, and I'm out. See ya! Well, folks, that's a wrap. This has been a Ball and Fit Podcast production. Take a gander at our website and remember to follow us on Twitter and subscribe to the show. Thank you for tuning in. Farewell, baseball fans!